going to get the every single weakness that is kind of available in the HR leader today. And we want to convert that into a superpower. Uh, allow me to explain, right? So uh, every single CEO that I've talked to, you know, 99% of them are like, I wish my HR leader was more analytical, was more data-driven. I think we can do that with Agent Noon very easily. And because we can get an HR leader to have all the right answers for all the questions almost instantly, to the point where they don't need to be asked those questions, they can just send a link to the CEO or the leadership team and say, it's all here. Then they can have a higher order conversation, a higher level conversation about the shape of the company and how it is being designed in service of the company's objectives and goals and the behaviors that are being sort of enforced and reinforced to be able to get to where they want to get to. Uh, once I guess once we're done with, uh, you know, delivering Agent Noon to all the HR leaders in the world, it'll kind of be like being like without, being without a mobile phone, like you have to wait for hours or walk for miles to get to a phone booth to kind of, you know, call somebody. The second thing is that no matter how we cut it, the HR leader is going to be one of the most important people around the management table, if not the most important one, right, in the coming years. So in order for them to be able to successfully achieve that potential, they will need the equivalent of an army of data scientists at their disposal so that every time somebody asks them a question about, hey, well, what if we took all the IT from across all the different divisions in our company and made it a shared services IT, they would not only be able to visualize it, but they would also be able to uh, empirically say, this is what the benefit of that's going to be, right? So HR leaders today are very good at qualitative, but they're weak at quantitative, both from uh, what is the state of the company today but also from a, what if we did this? What if we built a team that would do X or Y or Z? Or what if we team did a, built a team that did X and Y and Z? What would that look like? And they could be able to do those things instantly, quickly, and really bring their experience around uh, motivating people, aligning people, helping them do their best work. Because at the end of the day, people are still going to be the cornerstone of a company and the person responsible for hiring them, activating them and making sure they have a great sort of exit when they leave the company is going to be the people leader. What we are enabling them to do and what we are going to change in the world for them is that today all of the tooling for the HR leaders is for the HR function going down attendance, payroll, vacations, birthdays, whatever. What we're building is the HR leader going up to the CEO, to the boards, to the COO, to the CFO, all of those people. Today, the HR leader has to rely on their party tricks to be able to get around such thorny conversations. What we want to be able to do is to give them the scaffolding where they are no longer on the defensive but rather they're like, here's all the information, here's all the data, here's what I think we should do, and here are some three, two, three, four tough questions that you need to answer so that we can then really start to deploy our teams in service of your goals, right? If you're not sure, 
between goal one, two, and three? Should we split our resources evenly across three goals? Um, or do you want to put everything on goal one? That is a decision for the CEO. That is a decision that's going to stay for the CEO. And that is a very hard decision to make. So when you're empowering good data, it enables the CEO to make a good decision. It enables clear uh, execution tasks for the people leader, the finance function, the ops team, everybody else. So I think it'll create a virtuous cycle of better decisions based on better data and better alignment. And because the HR leader is going to be able to do that, it's going to look more like a vector where everybody's aligned in the same direction versus kind of like this blob that kind of goes in every direction. One insight that I've had after talking to multiple HR and finance people together is that if they are doing their job really, really well, they are moving away from each other. Let me explain, right? If an HR person is really top of their game, they are really deep into their HR function, they have everything dialed down, and the finance person is really deep into their finance department, they're butting heads all the time because, you know, the HR person is like, I'm going to do this, and the finance person is like, no, you don't have budget for it. No, but I'm going to get budget from this other area. Oh, but that budget I already took away and I gave it to somebody else. So they're always kind of moving further away from each other. So in a company where the HR and finance are somewhat at professional loggerheads, is a sign that the company is doing well. And the reason why they're at loggerheads is that there isn't, frankly, good bridges to build between them, right? If there was a way to build good br bridges between those two teams, they would have even better information and they would be able to make better decisions and then they would able, be able to work in lockstep and go faster. But that's not the case because there's this void, like there's HR software for HR people, there's finance software for finance people, and there's this void in the middle that's being filled with spreadsheets and custom software or Tableau dashboards or whatnot. But because the data is so confidential, it's very hard for it to be maintained and be kept up to date. So the way to bring the finance and HR person together and get the CEO, like this is the trifecta that we aim to create, is by way of some glue that doesn't get in the way of the HR people doing their job, the finance people doing their business, and the CEO being able to make good decisions, but brings them together by giving everybody what they want and then bringing them together in a single place. Very counterintuitive thing to do, but uh, we're seeing great success with it, and I think we're gonna keep doing it for as long as we can. So, so for example, um, Companies are hiring more and more uh, remotely, which is outside their target, like HQ zone. And therefore the data around what is good comp for an individual with a specific skill set is full of errors. So what happens is you start a budget cycle by saying, I'm gonna hire somebody in this geography, let's say Poland and I'm gonna pay them 50 grand. And then once the recruiting team goes out to Poland and they start hiring or recruiting people, they're like, oh, all the good people that we want are 
actually asking for a hundred grand because that's kind of what the market for this kind of role is. So then they go back to the business person and they say, Hey, you have 50 K in budget and uh, you want to hire somebody that costs a hundred K. What do we do? And then they're like, okay, well, why don't we change this role to a junior role? So then they change to a junior role and they start recruiting and then they start recruiting. And then the business person is like, I don't really like all these people. This is not really working out for me. And eventually they go hire somebody junior. It doesn't work out because they were actually looking for a senior person to begin with. There was a good thought process behind it. And then they maybe have to let that person go or they have to go back and hire a senior person. This is incredibly inefficient because we don't have good comp data for Poland and we weren't clear on whether we wanted to hire a senior or a junior person, the way teams start to evolve around it is that they don't give such details. They don't say senior or junior. They say, I want to hire people. Here's my budget envelope. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. As a result, it becomes very hard for finance to forecast what's going to happen. You can have certain roles that are unfilled in certain geographies, and then that budget is kind of left behind. The bottom line is that all of this interplay is incredibly inefficient, inefficient use of capital. So in a, in a world where there's no shortage of capital, like two years ago, who cares, right? Like whatever, we were paying 20, 30% more. Let's just pay it, who cares, right? Like we have plenty of money. Nowadays, when companies are becoming more cost conscious, every dollar matters, right? So the finance person is asking a lot more questions. The recruiting team is like, hold on a second. We don't think we can hire this kind of role for 50K. So what's going on here? So either things are getting stuck in planning where nothing gets approved or they're kind of stuck at execution because they're, it's like dead on arrival, right? Both instances are terribly bad. And what you need is the ability to be able to dynamically adjust plans based on market conditions. And that is where we shine because we help our customers do that. We help them do multi-layered approvals. We help them do a bunch of really simple stuff. But because when you start doing it in volume, it becomes really complicated, right? So if, if you and I are across a desk from each other, and uh, you're like, hey, Ali, I'm gonna hire this person in Poland. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you gonna pay them, 50K? Oh no, it's actually gonna be 100K. I can just be like, okay, I updated my spreadsheet, you're good to go. When you're doing this for like 20,000 employee company, it just becomes a nightmare because there's so many spreadsheets, there's so much flying around. Nobody knows really what's going on. And the CEO, meanwhile, is kind of like being this trumpet saying, where are my people? I wanna do these projects to be able to hit my goals. Um, so it just creates pressure. And a lot of that pressure results in inefficiencies, bad hires, whatnot. Um, and then that takes a long time to reverse. Another example that I've seen happen often is that because it's so hard to hire people through this full-time channel because of either bottlenecks on planning or execution, what companies start to do is they start to lean in on contractors, right? So they'll be like, you know what, man, it's a pain to go hire five people in Poland or I don't know, wherever. Uh, I'm just gonna go hire a contractor and then the contractor is gonna invoice finance and I'm gonna sidestep HR completely, right? Um, but it's easier, it's faster and so on and so forth. Um, the problem is attributing that back to company goals becomes harder because everything is a finance invoice and it's a purchase order. 
with like eight people on it. Those people might be working on five different projects. So at some point when you're spending 20 to 30% of your payroll or your headcount expense on contractors, somebody says, well, hey, why don't we rationalize these contractors? Because I think we're, I don't know what they, so many of them do. So then it becomes a nightmare because you have to like tie those contractors to projects and those projects back to the company goals. And we've been talking about multivariable calculus here for a while. This is a whole new level, right? Because projects are not one-to-one -one mapped to um, personnel or company goals. So then what you need is to build a bit of an operating model, which shows you what everybody works on and what percentage of their time they work on it so they can attribute all the costs back. Something we do for our customers all the time it is a very hard problem to solve. It's also harder to keep the information updated because again, you know, uh, HR speaks French, finance speaks German, project teams speak Japanese, right? They're like in their agile and scrum and all, all that stuff. So now you're completely at a loss to be able to reconcile everything quickly. So for most companies, even the most sophisticated ones are literally doing like this. You know, I think, I think so. I think somewhat, <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I'm not kidding. The project management system, the HR system, and the financial systems all pretend like they are on different planets, right? Um, and, you know, the, the leadership team is supposed to kind of like, you know, figure them out. But really, what it is is a Rubik's Cube. You change something here and something else changes here. And today we look at those Rubik's cubes as individual sides and not as a whole. So the reason why I'm quite confident about our prospects is that there's a long way to go. There's multiple sides of this Rubik's cube. Um, and the more sides we can uh, attach to this Rubik's cube, the more valuable our product becomes, the more value we create for our customers, the more longevity we have, uh, in our customer contracts.